we have an exciting opportunity for you. We're recording a bonus episode on multi-level marketing or pyramid schemes on November 6th, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It will kick off our MLM month of November. Invite all your friends and family. We'll be kicking off the holiday season with some info that will make you cringe about capitalism or make you just feel like a big boss. You can find us on twitch.tv slash swghosts. And Patreon listeners, $5 and up, will receive the recording to listen whenever they need a boost. We're drinking martinis to celebrate the fake high life. And everyone knows the best business deals are made over gin martinis. See you then. I feel like I kind of have an I kind of have an idea of what the fuck's going on here. Me too. Cheers. Oh yes. Cheers. Ooh, what'd you shoot? I am drinking the Fernet. <laughs> the Fernet. Yeah, we have like all this. No, not a lot. We still have some whiskey from Manhattan night. And I feel like since I ran a 10K today, I'm allowed at least a shot. Jesus. Um, how's moving going? We finally got a date today. We're going to be out of this house on November 12th. I feel like you guys should try to get her to prorate you because. Yes. I Landlords are such a scam. She is going to, but she's also made point like made comments like she pretty much doesn't want to go a single day without rent so like she either wants us paying or them paying so it's, it's kind of ridiculous yeah well grow up don't be a landlord yeah. yeah I was thinking about it on my my run a couple days ago and I was like fuck that scenario like we as humans feel bad for our landlords because right we're dealing with other humans and you're like, I don't want to make, I wouldn't want someone to make my job hard, but then you're thinking about what goes into that job and the amount you're paying, you're paying more than their mortgage. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you really can't figure that out. Like maybe you shouldn't be a landlord, you know? (laughs) Right. I mean, it's a scam business. It's true. I mean, it's just like one of those easy ways to create generational wealth which people find to be appealing but at the same time that leaves out a gigantic swath of the population and keeps money in the hands of the already rich landlords are scam businesses i said it Sex with ghosts. I am Bridget here with the coolest, most detail-oriented sleuth in the podcasting game, Molly. Hey, Bridget. And today's topic, we are doing the most American of American stories we have yet probably done. And by that I mean, it's got scams. It's got God. <laughs> it's got tricking 
people into losing everything. And if you haven't guessed it, which actually that does leave the door quite open for a lot of things, but we're talking Amway, baby. And this will be part one of a two-part series. Yes. And you probably also have looked at the title of the podcast episode. (laughs) Maybe it's a clever pun, you know, Molly. Well, that's true. (laughs) But I I imagine they have some sort of idea. We, We have such devoted fans. They don't even look at titles. They just automatically download our episode and listen to it. Well, to be fair, I do have a podcast app that downloads episodes automatically and also plays them automatically when I'm, you know, I just hit play and they play whatever, whatever's next. So it is possible. I just have to say that I do really like my podcast app. It is overcast and I have it's it's free, but it's one of those apps where it's like, you know, if you like it enough, I'm willing to toss the guy some money because he has made my life better with this app nice i i don't mind plugging them even though they are not giving us any money because good apps deserve to be celebrated hey i think that's true for most things i mean if you find something good you should plug it but molly what is your personal experience with amway if you have one at all i do not I was not aware of Amway until, uh, gosh, I don't know, at least the 2000s, 2010s even. However, when I was growing up, there was Avon and Mary Kay for sure. And those are slightly different, obviously. But, um, oh, gosh. And, well, and you could say like Tupperware and I think even like Longer Burger Baskets was kind of similar any sort of mlm i guess well and in college didn't we go to like the i'm trying to think of what they called them uh because they didn't call them vibrator parties oh yes yes yeah and that's the same thing too but they're but i do feel like those are actually very helpful because a lot of people don't feel comfortable going to sex toy stores and so you're getting it in the hands of people who actually want it so in a in safe space case, to talk I, about yes it. i do and i think that's really important. that might be the only place an mlm works yes because yeah it is it's such a individualized like you would only like with fashion or whatever you can choose your own things but like with sex toys it's not like you're gonna <laughs> go out and i don't know you need recommendations or something i don't Well, in just the conversation of you're buying an intimate object, an object that you're going to use in a way you wouldn't use laundry detergent. And so having that communal conversation, I think, really changes how you would approach buying that specific product. Whereas buying everyday product now from people seems really weird in the advent of Target and Walmart and CVS and Walgreens. Like we have so many places to buy those things. And then on top of that, so many blogs and consumer reports that talk about what's what's made in these products and whether or not they're effective. 
I think my earliest memory of Amway was definitely as a kid. I don't know if it was like on daytime TV or something my parents talked about, but it was something I was kind of aware of then. And then when I was in college, it's somehow through like a friend of my father's. uh, I don't know if it was like a random message on Facebook or some other digital platform that doesn't exist anymore, like MySpace. But I went to one of these Amway related events and thought, oh, this seems better than getting a job in college. And I remember talking to my mom about it and my mom saying like, this is a scam. And when I tried to inquire like how it was a scam, she did not have the in my memory, the language to really express why it was a scam. I think she knew enough of like, they say it's a scam on TV, but I don't really understand the logistics because I've never studied it or gotten into that rabbit hole. I don't feel 100% about this. And so if my mom's saying no, it's just like another reason to not necessarily do it. And then when I was still in speaking terms with my father, I stayed with him in Georgia and he was like part of one of these Amway groups. And he was like trying to push the product all the time and like talking about how the products have like changed the way he lived. And then I was definitely like, yeah, this is a scam. <laughs> like if this guy is pushing it, I'm now even more skeptical. Sure. Yeah. Cause I felt like there was, it was either Amway or Amway adjacent resurgence in the early 2000s for sure. And then I don't know if people just like didn't give a shit or the way we shop changed enough, but I haven't heard anyone try to push an MLM until recently Beachbody has had some weird popularity with suburban moms and small town moms. Now Beachbody has been going on for I, I remember it from back in my Chicago days so it and and then of course the well be, behind the scenes the reason why we chose this was that I watched the LuLaRoe documentary and that was pretty big so I do think that it does kind of just evolve and change but it's always still there and always still kind of the same yeah, it's it's a multi-level marketing. That's what we're talking about today when we say MLMs. And it is a business model that I'm not, I'm like air quoting business. It's not one that really works per se, but it's one that works long enough for the guys at the top to gain some sort of profit. And as we'll talk about today, their whole ideology is what gives it longevity, is what pushes it forward in a way where it's going to exist as long as people have money in their pockets to invest in it. And as long as the Federal Trade Commission doesn't catch up to them. Sure. So it is... A bit of a scheme. We will talk more about this in our live Twitch episode, which give you more MLM 
knowledge. Of course, throughout this episode, we're probably going to reference adjacent ones as we did at the beginning because it's hard to talk about one of these and not reference another because they're so prevalent in capitalism. And as we'll talk about with Amway, it's not just like, hey, here's how you can make a buck. But like what I was saying with the ideology, the ideology also includes like, this is a lifestyle. This is literally the American way. But you can really liken an MLM, which is rebranding of saying a pyramid scheme. I was going to say that exact same thing. It it, it feels like it is a rebranding because the uh, who who were you saying was Federal Trade Commission, maybe? Yeah. OK, so they if they can find that your company is a pyramid scheme, then they can shut you down. But as long as you can pretend like it's not, <laughs> then you're fine. And and to to expand a little bit on what a pyramid scheme, it's a form of investment in which you're paying each participant to recruit um, more re- participants, and there's returns being given to early participants using money contributed by the later ones, essentially forming a pyramid. So you are climbing the pyramid as you are recruiting people below you because the profits that they're making get aggregated into your recruitment. So then the business no longer is about selling whatever the product they say they're selling. It's more about getting people to join into um, a business program that isn't, like I said, sustainable. And as long as people keep recruiting people, then it's going to be sustainable for the people who are further up the chain. And there are definitely specific government regulations, which we'll kind of go into a little bit with Amway, of what defines what makes the pyramid scheme a pyramid scheme in terms of legality. And we'll talk more about this later. I think that Amway was able to sort of evade it because of their political contributions. Like we can kind of legally prove we're not a pyramid scheme because of the connections we have to higher governmental powers. Not saying that the the president is cutting them apart in, but by having a relationship with lawmakers, they're able to fundamentally define themselves outside that definition of a pyramid scheme. I feel like I'm making this more confusing, but hopefully as we go on, it will become more clarified. I understand what you're saying, but I do want to emphasize the idea that it would be because it's not that government agencies don't go after these kind of people it's that they are able to evade it by using the law which is kind of what you said like using the definitions in their favor to avoid the minor oh god that's actually a really big taxing but anyway sorry to never mind keep going my brain oh are you sure i mean it might be i'll i'll 
go into it a little bit. So in order to follow the law to a T. So when I went to school for accounting, one of the interesting things that academics do in the accounting field is kind of look at the rules and regulations. And there are two different types of them. There's one that's a very specific type where you make a rule that says you can't invest in X, or that's just an example. But what another group would do um, would be making rules based on intent. So if you intend for it to be a pyramid scheme, but you legally find the loophole to not be a definition of a pyramid scheme, then you're still liable because you had the intent. And it's a lot harder to prove, but at the same time, it encompasses a lot more. And in my opinion, I think those kind of laws and regulations are a little bit better, but then you also have to worry about if people are paying off politicians and you still can get away with it. But I just feel like it encompasses more and the way that we are now just encourages people to find loopholes. No, I, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really great point because as we see with Amway's relationships, I think proving the intent, it is definitely way more difficult. I think also what aids Amway is it's fanatical, very close to cult devotion to being independent distributors. And, there, and there's definitely its own language of building what is the American dream and how you are independent and running your own business versus working for another person. And I think that idea, one, has created a, an extremely wealthy class of people. But I got to say, I don't think the Rockefellers became the Rockefellers because they bought into a scheme. I think they sort of found a way to manipulate the system their own way, which is what they don't tell you in the old Amway business. So the origins of Amway can go back to Neutralite. So in 1927, we have a man, Carl F. Renborg, who was working for U.S. Steel Carnation and Colgate Corporations, had to flee back to the United States because of the Chinese Civil War. And when he came back to the United States, allegedly he thought the future was going to be vitamins and direct sales. So he combined these two. He founded Neutralite and it became known as the Dietary Supplement Company. And this, this kind of all comes together by 1934. I do think if I had been alive back then, I think I would have also believed that the vitamins were the future. Not saying that that excuses his presumably very bad practices, but I just think it's interesting that I really do think I would have believed the same thing. And and it was popular. Okay, so this is also something I want to bring up for this time. The direct sales industries of like going door to door, very normal for this time. So like the whole 
knocking on people's doors saying, are you interested? Very normal. And something like vitamins at this time was definitely very in vogue. Like we're at a time in history where, dare I say it, eugenics, very hot. People are buying into this idea that it's very hip at this time that genetics are very important if you are to be a strong, healthy individual with success and enhancements to get there are becoming a thing. Like people are starting to exercise for their health at this time. So it it goes in line that people are also starting to take supplements that they think will also make them better. There's definitely a lot of things going on that are about human improvements. And prior to the Great Depression, people had money to spend on these things too. So like 1920s, there's a lot of wealth in America and people are just throwing down money on anything that's going to make their lives better. I think it's fair to say I would have also. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought into this as well. Yeah. I just wanted to provide that context a little bit because like, obviously a vitamin MLM sounds like a scam nowadays, but I do feel like it probably would have been a little bit more appropriate back then or whatever. And especially starting this company in 1934, where you have people who now are in the Great Depression who are suffering. And here comes a guy who says, look, I have a product that we all need that will improve our lives, that'll help you work harder or fulfill your dreams. And you need to make money. Here's a way for you to sell something and make money. So this isn't like something, I I guess there's a lot of context to set this up to at least have some interest in some sort of gain on it, if that makes sense. I think so. So Neutralite's happening. And then you have two old pals from Grand Rapids, Michigan, Jay Van Andel and Richard Devos. And they have promised themselves that they are going to get rich together as two buddies from a small town do. And they kind of conceive their own corporation called Ja Rai or J Rai. It's J-A-R-I, which is a fusion of their first names. So I think we have a pattern established. Maybe Jerry. Wait, no. Jerry. Richard. Jerry. 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 But it's got to be something fun to say, right? Like, yeah. So it's probably Jerry. So they they formed this corporation. And this is after they already tried flying school together. <laughs> they try to import wood products from Latin America and resell it to the everyday person. And this isn't going too hot for them. And they hear about Neutralite going on and they're like, hey, let's uh, maybe let's try this for a bit. So this is about 1949. They they get into the Neutralite business and things are going great until 1959 when all of a sudden the Neutralite company is facing some legal issues. I believe the state of California might have been the first ones to go after them to say, hey, 
what you're saying is in these supplements are not in your supplements. Yeah. And that's when our two boys say, see you later. And they decide after understanding this door-to-door sales and basically early MLM structure that they should try again with starting a different company. And they start by buying a patent for a biodegradable detergent. And they bought this from a struggling Detroit scientist. And by selling this detergent, they become Amway, which is short for the American way. Oh, I just understood what you were saying about the J. Rye Amway. Get it now. (laughs) The pattern. It all makes sense. So the whole idea of the American way, since basically its inception, is that you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Isn't that a lovely American sentiment that does not get old for us folks? Never. And the idea is if you aren't doing well in your sales, you have no one to blame but yourself. But that also gives you the freedom to succeed, right? Like you don't have to worry about all these normal things you would in a job with a boss. You are your own boss. So you're only going to do as well as you think you can do. So this was started, like I said, around 1959. And here we are at the end of 2019, it was reported that the company was valued at $8.4 billion with 15,000 employees. And given the recent pandemic, it's been speculated that the sales have only, or the revenue has only increased because during the pandemic, people have been afraid to leave their home for essentials. And this makes a lot of MLMs way more accessible to people. Like, oh, you have a way for me to get these products or a beach body, and I don't have to leave my house to get them. And all I have to do is do a Zoom with some friends and family. Like, and people are losing their jobs. So they're also being told here's a way to also supplement some of that income you might have lost. The pandemic really set this up for at least some long, some more longevity of these MLMs. So there seems like a very positive thing, like you should be set up for success. But aside from all the skepticism Molly and I have already expressed, (laughs) in 2011, the Consumer Awareness Institute calculated that Amway's loss rates exceeded 99.9%. So it is a very hard business to actually make any money. And in a 2008 UK case, government authorities reported that the distributor population of 33,000, the only 90 people, so if 33,000 sellers, only 90 made enough to cover the costs of running the business. And that means like, you know, paying for the products, paying for all the things they say you need to run the business and then having income after that. And we'll talk about some of the things that they try to get people to buy as being part of an Amway participant. 
Because as we kind of mentioned, the business model, as they're calling it, you're selling overpriced products like soap, vitamins, skincare, and home goods, and then minimizing the bonus payout to distributors through a complicated hierarchy of distributors called your downline. So, um, so funny. Have you watched any, like there was that TV show on Showtime that came out with Kirsten Dunst. Uh, I think it was like right before the pandemic. So I don't think there's been another season. I think so. But watching that, they're always like, you'll make it up in your downline. Oh God. Like just this idea of like, you need people. Is that, wait, hold on. Is, is it just a MLM TV show or is it just, I think it might side plot or whatever. I think it is Amway specific, but oh, huh. the show doesn't label it that I think for lawsuit reasons. Oh yes, of course. But when you look at the whole way that show it like the whole culture of it, which we're about to talk more about it all. I mean, it matches up. So maybe it's not Amway, but I feel like it has to be Amway. So each time the distributors get in your recruit, they add to their personal sales force and they elevate their own position. Like we were talking about earlier, essentially making it the pyramid. So you're increasing the amount of money that you get from people while people below them to kind of make it more official, they get these titles. So there's the direct and then the ruby, then the emerald, then the diamond. There's one you go as far up as like the crown ambassador. Oh, Christ. And part of the way they get you to recruit these people is also by how they are telling you to sell the products, which is through your informal network of friends and family. And obviously this is going to lead to a high degree of exploitation. And when Amway started, the door-to-door thing was normal. And Amway was kind of the business that changed it from, instead of selling door-to-door, because especially when you start, your success rate is going to probably be lower trying to sell to strangers. They have taught people as they recruit them that they should do a back fence approach, which is basically calling on your friends and relatives and using your friendship to sell the products. So it was kind of normal to do the door to door thing. Amway comes in and then they say, you need a soul of cast iron and legs of wood. Jesus. Essentially encouraging that. But Molly, I think you have a list of more tactics that they like to use. Yes. And these are official tactics. And I'll talk about some unofficial tactics a little bit later. But in in a and I say official in I'm not sure if it is literally written down on paper. Well, we'll hear more about videos are actually how Amway gets their point across and but, tapes and pamphlets. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely get into some of those materials because yes, they yes. get very weird. It's true. They do. 
So they say you should speak quickly as if you're in a hurry, presumably to make it sound urgent or important. You should make a broad connection with something relevant the other person may have mentioned in the past, perhaps involving money, a business, or the internet. You should invite them to one-on-one meetings or a house meeting. Like those vibrators. Yes, yes. Important to corner them. (laughs) And never give information over the phone. In a few of these upcoming stories, you'll see some pretty shifty tactics by Amway people. The last one is to never mention the name Amway. Yeah, I think the Amway branding is, at least especially in the late 90s and early 2000s, I don't know if you could go up to a Gen Z person and talk about Amway and they'd be like, yeah, that's a scam. But I feel like millennials and older, if you say Amway, they at least immediately know like, oh, there's something scammy going on. Yes. And I think kind of to tie this back to your original story, I wonder if you had introduced it to your mother under a different name, if she would have been more inclined to accept, which we're lucky that that's not how it happened, but still. Well, I think when I introduced it to her, I don't, I don't think it was Amway because I think I'd already known Amway was bad. It was like a different rebranding name. But when I told her like what the scenario was, she knew that sounded like sure. And yeah, then well, that's when I realized the connection like, oh, <laughs> right. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's that is an important thing to remember for everyone. If it sounds like Amway, it's Amway. <laughs> like if it sounds too if good not- to be true, right, if anyone yeah. is saying Here's how you can make money and be your own boss. 100% take a step back. I mean, right. that's how Uber has become Uber is by selling the idea that you can drive your car on your time. And now they have taken away Uber worker rights because so many people bought into this gig economy instead of having jobs that would provide stability and actual wage and compensation for all kinds of things. Like being a contract worker or your own boss really takes the accountability off the overarching corporation. Yes, for sure. Now, I'm going to give a few different stories of Amway experiences through this episode, but the first one I wanted to introduce was a more of a a quote-unquote positive story. And when we were researching this episode, Bridget mentioned to me that she thought that perhaps the internet's kind of been a little bit scrubbed of negative Amway stuff. Like if you Google Amway, or at least this was my my initial whatever, I Googled Amway and most of the things that came up were Amway website stuff. So it was like, here's what's great about Amway? And it was just different pages of the Amway website. The other thing that came up a lot were like the business side, like statistics, like this is what, this is Amway's revenue. This is Amway. This is what Amway makes per year. But the initial Google search was absolute trash. Now, to be fair, a lot of companies can manipulate the Google algorithm 
and perhaps that's what they did. So it is less perhaps of a censorship thing and rather a promoting of their own brand, which puts an SEO thing. Yes, yes. SEO, baby. But I did find a story that was like relatively, I don't know if it, I would not consider it a positive story, but she considered it a positive story, which is weird. (laughs) So we have a woman named Osana Wasselt and Wasset, Wasset, Osana Wasset. She is from Canada. And she published her personal story one year after she quit Amway. Osana was involved with Amway for a year. And here is her story. Asana wanted to get a second job. So she went to a typical restaurant serving job. And she meets a manager. And she gets along with this manager. And it turns out this manager is what do you call it an amway representative classic i feel like i've met this type at a restaurant job for sure yes because i i I do think that the amway does obviously appeals to a lot of people who may be working labor laborous jobs where they wish they could earn passive income yeah i think it helps a lot when you think about Like if you're going to become a doctor or in your case, a CPA, you're not going to like quit a job that you literally had to go through extra education to get certified for, to just start your own business that has no guarantees. So Osana wasn't a great server, it seems. She didn't love the job. She didn't make that much money. So perhaps she wasn't all that good at it, but I don't know from the story. <laughs> that's that's her self-reporting. <laughs> She's reporting on herself that it's not good. Yes. So she meets with the so she's she becomes friends with the manager. And the the manager comes up to her one day and tells her about a retired young couple that's helping her create passive income. So she wouldn't have to work a job anymore. Osana is initially a little bit skeptical. She asks, what are you selling? But the manager says, "Ah, it's not a selling opportunity. It's more mentorship and leadership based. And Osana is interested in this. So they arrange a meeting between her and the manager and the mentors. The meeting is to take place in five days. But interestingly enough, Osana is fired from her job before the meeting takes place. What? (laughs) She believes that her manager may have fired her in order to push her over the edge to accept this job opportunity. That's definitely what happened. Right? (laughs) Yes, I think so. (laughs) But I did want to mention, perhaps she didn't love the job. She wasn't, quote unquote, that good at it. Maybe she was fired, but that's where I also went. That is so funny. Like, I don't, I have questions. (laughs) Yes. So Osana knows that this is a bad idea, but she got fired from her job and she likes the manager still. So she's been cornered. Yes. Yes. So she goes to the meeting. She is really skeptical at first, but 
she meets the mentors and they're extremely charismatic. Of course they are. Of course. They've been mentored to be mentors. Yes. And instead of talking about the business angle, what they do is they ask her about her goals and dreams, which will be a theme in these stories. Oh, God. They talk in generalizations about business and success principles, and they don't mention the name Amway at all. Like other stories, they won't even mention the name until they go through a qualification process. So Osana is excited about this because the mentors are very charismatic. They're asking her about her life goals. She's never had that in her life. So she goes through the qualification process and she qualifies and she's very excited. What is the qualification process? Are you dumb enough to believe this shit? Yeah, it is. I I have a feeling. And I, I mean, I'm sorry, I could have been that person too in my early 20s, but, but Jesus, man. I do think the qualification process does encourage some people to think that it is more serious than others. Oh, I'm sure it does. Because if you don't have those stakes, then, you know, if you feel like they accept anybody, why, then what, what does it matter to you? So even though she qualifies and she starts going to these meetings, she later finds out that the some of the other people who are also going to her meetings are not as motivated as she is. So she gets a little bit skeptical about this. and But she still uh, attends all of the Amway. Well, she so she joins Amway. She attends. Apparently, there's four meetings a year that you have to kind of travel to to go to their whatever conference like a rally yes and she is not super enthused about it the, the first couple she is excited and she gets motivated by it but by the end it just feels more of like why am i going to these meetings uh every quarter or whatever interestingly enough osana is also opening up to god at this point so she wishes to expand her spirituality, which is interesting because of some of the other the later facts we'll hear about the Amway religious angle. I also think that with these rallies, I think you have to pay to go, pay to play. So, but you're expected to. Like the first couple, you're probably excited because you're like, "Yeah, this is going to help my business. I'm investing in my business by going." And then after the first couple, when you just realize, like, I'm not making money, I'm spending more money on these rallies and materials I'm supposed to have, then I could see how you it can become lackluster after, yes. after a few. So after a year of this, she isn't doing very well in the business. She has not recruited a single person under her. She has lost $10,000. And she quits. But I think the reason that this story is still on the internet is because of this wonderful last line. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> all in all, looking back, I can say it was a phenomenal experience, even though it left me $10,000 in debt. But money is not everything. And I really believe the experience I had was worth that sum of money. I would do it all over if I had a chance. That's exactly what I tell people about my college experience. <laughs> oh, I, I, I feel like she's a 
bit brainwashed, especially with the idea that the idea that she could say money isn't everything when clearly money is everything to anyone in Amway. As we were talking about with the ideology of it, I think it takes away the money aspect, the idea of you're going to own your own business. And as we talk more about the spirituality end, they have expanded this idea of making money to be more than about making money. And I think that's why people stick with it for as long as they do. Or like this woman walk away thinking it's somehow a positive experience because of that. The pseudo psychology going on is a distraction from how they're bleeding you of your finances. I suppose that's true. That was a little rude of me. I apologize, Osana. You're not brainwashed because that's not possible. When we talk about brainwashing, we've talked about this before. Sierra Cults episode. There is an aspect of it's not like you're being brainwashed like, oh, I've been told so many times to do this thing. So I'm going to do this thing. It's like you're in a community that is showing you why this is a logical explanation for living your life. And you're like, wow, other people in my community, in this community specific, seem happy or seem like they're making money and seem like they are being taken care of. And I want that for myself. And so you buy into it, not necessarily brainwash the point where you're following it blindly, but you buy into it long enough for someone to exploit that interest or inquiry or investment that you have mentally or emotionally, if that makes sense. Yeah. So as as we've been talking about this very much legally not a pyramid scheme, pyramid scheme they have going on, this attracted a complaint from the FTC or the Federal Trade Commission in May of 1975. And they had hearings and the commission alleged that Amway has unreason or had unreasonably restricted its market and put unfair limitations on customers and its retail outlets. But the complaint, I don't know what that line means. Amway dismissed the complaint as unfounded. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Well, Molly said, because pyramid schemes typically literally pay a person a fee as they sign up new recruits. And that's whether or not these people, sell, the new people sell anything or not. They're just getting a, a check for adding more people to the team. And Amway does not have that policy specific in place. So while there are benefits to getting more recruits, you're not just directly handed a check for those new recruits. See our monthly episode for more information on this topic. See our what? Our uh, Patreon episode. Oh, the Twitch. Yes. We do have a Twitch for listening to this on the day that we put it out. I would I would like to discuss more about legal stuff. But anyway. Uh, no, like the, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get into that stuff. And along with the pyramid scheme, a lot of times there is a requirement for people to buy large amounts of inventory once they join as like sort of a 
investment, like, oh, I'm going to sell this stuff. So I'm going to buy it from the person above me so I can resell it. And Amway also did not have a policy of that nature. So in 1979, the FTC did rule that Amway did not fit the definition of a pyramid scheme because the distributors were not paid to recruit people. It did not require distributors or the 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 other people working underneath them. I feel like it's kind of confusing to say distributors because it sounds like more on the retail end, but we're talking about the actual, because these are independent distributors is like their title as a worker. I would, well, I would imagine the MLM term would be the upline yeah. is not paid. But because of this is written as a business, their upline is technically a distributor. And like I said, they're, they're not required to, or they're not paid to recruit people. They it's not required for these dis- distributors to buy a large amount of unmoving inventory. And the distributors are required to maintain retail sales at least 10 per month in the year of 1979. That might have changed since then. And the company and all the distributors were required to accept returns of excess inventory from down-level distributors. So if you're not able to sell your stock, I think you're able to ask to be reimbursed for what you didn't sell. It, that's related to what Lou LaRoe got in trouble for. Which is a great docu-series. All right. So I have another story for you. This one was published in the, wait, how do you pronounce that? Daily Cost? I think it's Cost. Daily Cost. The daily cost. But this is just this one person's experience. It is not a news story or anything very similar to the last one. But it did come out when Trump was trying to get Betsy DeVos onto the, well, he succeeded in making her secretary of education, I suppose. Uh, but he, he wrote this article as sort of a, we can't make her anything because her company is insanely uh unethical and uh terrible this guy merlin 1963 and that's the only name i have for him so i i'm not quite sure what his real name is or what his story is but merlin 1963 wanted to share this story so he had a couple run-ins with amway the first one was with his ex-wife and she was kind of interested she and him were new to the San Francisco area. So they wanted to meet young people, new friends. A couple that her, his wife had met socially invited them to this Amway party. Socially? Like at a key party? <laughs> no. <laughs> his wife was in a local opera group. So, I don't I don't see the difference. Yeah. Uh, so the the other couple hits them up to go to this presentation. This guy is aware of Amway and that it's a pyramid scheme, but his wife is interested, so they go to the presentation. They they receive the generic Amway presentation. The guy is just not very interested because he is a partisan democrat and he had read a few months earlier 
that Amway was the largest contributor to the Republican Party. Hell yeah, we'll talk more about that later. So he thought that like it was easy for him to, I'll just go to this meeting and I won't feel pressured to join because I have this fail-safe excuse. So he makes this point and it doesn't offend the couple. They are okay with it. And then his wife takes some products and they go home. Just for the record, his wife does not enjoy the products. They're not that good. That was something I saw a lot on the internet too. People say these products aren't even worth like getting a discount for. It's true. But a few months later, he has another Amway experience. So out of the blue, a woman comes up to him to chat him up about a new car, like his new car. He was bought a new car or whatever. But I think it's just like an excuse to talk to him, which is kind of creepy. I've I've had creepier come ons from guys on well, sure. Vermont Street in L.A. here. <laughs> ah, so they chat and she asks him where he works. He tells her, but they don't exchange phone numbers or anything. And he gets in his car and he goes home. And then a little bit later, he receives a call. And it's this woman. And he does not understand how she possibly got his phone number unless she looked up his license plate number or looked up his name in like the company roles. But he finds this all to be very creepy. Now that's creepy. Yeah. She just cold calls him. So she tries to uh, sell him on the Amway again, sell him on the Amway again. But he uses his trusty excuse that they donate heavily to the Republican Party. And this goes against everything I believe. So I cannot join Amway. And interestingly enough, the woman asks to uh, hold on one second. So she goes away from the phone. She comes back and she says... This information is false. It's simply not true. You're mistaken. And instead of getting in a fight with her, he's like, okay, fine. Bye. Because what's the point of arguing with someone like that? Yeah, clearly you can't argue over whatever reality she's living in. Right, exactly. Uh, And then the last story of his is that he is in North Carolina at a regular job. And one of his coworkers asked this him. This guy to- gets around. Yes, yes. And I mean, I don't know anything about Merlin 1963, so he could be making all this shit up. I don't know. He's a wizard. Yeah. He's in North Carolina with the coworker, and the coworker asks for him to come to a secret meeting with a few others. And this guy's like, no, I'm not going to a secret meeting that's creepy and weird. And, and the guy won't elaborate. He won't tell him anything about it. It's just a secret meeting. I would go just... to a Freemason secret meeting, but I definitely wouldn't go to an Amway one. Yeah, but how would you know the difference? I'd ask to see the rings. Well, that's a good one. So he does later find out that he it is an Amway thing, but he does find the whole thing very creepy that you would solicit your coworker to come to a secret meeting. About Amway. Yeah, I gotta say, most jobs I have and the coworkers I've had, I would definitely be very sus of the secret meeting. 
Although if it's a restaurant and they're telling you the secret meeting is a walk-in, I say, that's a good one to go to because in my day, that meant you were getting high. (laughs) Yes, that is a different kind of secret meeting. (laughs) Well, Molly, I have to thank you for suggesting MLM month. Oh, yeah, I was I was very excited to do this and I did not have any technical experience with Amway specifically. So it was good to learn about their history. And who knows, maybe as we go on, we'll start seeing (laughs) there's a lot more MLMs we have been overlooking. Yes. And that was part one of Amway. Like we said at the top, this is a two-part series. In our second half next week, we will be talking about some of those things we hinted at throughout the episode, including God and the Republican Party. So super excited for that. In the meantime, Molly, where can people find you and ask you more money questions? (laughs) Oh, goodness. You can find me at MollyMM9. And please feel free to message me if you are given an opportunity that sounds too too good to be true. How about you? Um, you can find me and I believe Molly's handles, same platforms, Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at bridge underscore suck it. You can find this podcast at sex with ghosts underscore, and you can support us by giving us a five-star review on Apple podcasts that just helps verify that we are real podcast people. And you can support us further by going to patreon.com slash sex with ghosts thanks for listening bye 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 um